On this special edition of Across College Lacrosse, we're actually going across the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, to do a special preview of all four Division I men's college lacrosse teams in the city. Part 1, which is you're listening to right now, will be Drexel and Penn, both the University City Schools. Part 2, which will drop shortly after this gets published, is St. Joe's and Villanova. This is a special edition of Across College Lacrosse. Hey, hey! Welcome to Across College Lacrosse, our first special edition podcast. I am Chris Jastrzemski, and this is actually our second real episode that we are posting, and we already have two specials planned out. I don't know how that happens, but shout out to me, I guess. Uh, this special, it is a two-part special. Part one, you're listening to right now. We preview the four Philadelphia men's Division One college lacrosse teams in the area. This one is the University City Schools. Drexel with head coach Brian Volker is on. Penn with head coach Mike Murphy as well. Part 2, we'll get into Mainline and Maniunk. Taylor Ray represents the Maniunk School St. Joe's. Mike Corrado represents the Mainline School in Villanova. And we just discussed with all four of these coaches, their upcoming seasons, what to expect, a little bit about Philadelphia lacrosse in general, and we throw in some nice little softball questions as well at the end about cheesesteaks and short points and you know typical philadelphia questions and their super bowl predictions which spoiler alert they are obvious because they are philadelphia lacrosse coaches you might expect where they're gonna go so without further ado let's get started with our first guest brian volker from drexel so a little bit about coach volker he's the sixth head coach in drexel history entering his ninth year at the helm Overall record of 69-53, and 53, he led the Dragons to a historic 2014 season where they won the CAA title and beat rival Penn at Franklin Field in their first ever NCAA tournament game. Before then, he was actually the head coach at Penn for seven years, beginning in 03, and guided the Quakers to two NCAA tournament appearances. He's also the former head coach and assistant GM of the Baltimore Bayhawks former assistant coach and defensive coordinator at Johns Hopkins, where he went to school, and under Bill Tierney at Princeton. While at Hopkins, he was a three-time All-American defenseman. He also played for the Wings when they were in Philadelphia, and he's also a National Lacrosse Hall of Fame inductee back in 2015. So without further ado, here's Brian Volker. And now we're pleased to have Coach Brian Volker here in his ninth year as the head coach of Drexel, led his Dragons to a 6-8 and record in 2017, finishing 3-2 and in the CAA. Uh, fourth in the conference last year, he's 36th in the inside lacrosse face-off yearbook and fourth in the CAA preseason poll. And Coach, thank you for joining us and pretty much how's the team look so far? We've been out um, a li- uh, just under two weeks now and, um, you know, battling it through a couple of the preseason injuries, and I think the flu's going around a little bit, um, kind of probably everywhere. 
but the guys have worked really hard, and um, you know those those numbers that you just talked about, you know, are definitely things we're trying to improve on. Um, you know, we're trying to have a better out of league record, start the season a little bit stronger than we have the last couple of years. Um, you know, and we want to we want to battle to be the best team in the league again. And um, you know, I think the guys kind of have those goals in mind and have worked pretty hard and um you know we have a lot of work to go but um we feel like the effort's been good and we have some pieces in place and um you know pr- feel pretty good about the uh, the season coming up now many of your starters and key tr- contributors return from across the team the attack returns two-thirds of the starting attack a lot of midfielders back and four out of five starters at defense at midfielder uh poles and close defense are back What's the easiest and most difficult positions to replace in a given year? Well, the, I mean, look, the the, the easiest, um, you know, I guess it's usually midfield, maybe because you play more of them. Um, uh, but, um, you know, and then the most difficult, again, especially for us right now, is we're trying to figure out who's going to start in goal and to fill, uh, you know, Jimmy Joe's shoes. Uh, is going to be a tough, tough task. I mean, he had a real good, uh, you know, two and a half years starting for us. And, I mean, he was as good as anybody in the country and, you know, shared honors, uh, first team CAA honors last year, um, you know, with the Hofstra goalie who had a great year. Um, so he's going to be tough to replace, um, you know, and I keep saying that we, we need to play better defense in front of whoever the starting goalie is. Um, and we, I think we also need to win more face-offs. Um, I think that would help us, you know, down there uh, to, to kind of break in a new guy. We'll get to those in a little bit, but we'll start off at attack. Cole Schaefer's gone, but you do have the return of Matthew Varian from an injury last year. You also keep Robert Frazee right. and one of the best freshmen in the conference and maybe even the country last year, Reed Boering. Do you think, it's a bold statement to say, but do you think you have the best attack trio in all the CAA? Well, we're hoping we do, um, and I think there's a lot of other really good attackmen uh, you know, in our conference, um, but, you know, all those guys have, have played really well at times, and, you know, even early in the year last year, we probably messed around with Reed a little bit, played him at the midfield some, and played him at the attack, and then when we just realized how effective he was, we just, you know, threw him down there, and he ended up having, a you know, an awesome season um, and had some huge goals and, you know, played great in the CAA uh, play. So, um, and, and Fraze has played a lot for us and scored a lot of big goals and has been really steady the last couple of years. Um, you know, we're great to have him back. And then we need to get Matt back to the, you know, the the level that he was two years ago before he blew out his knee. Um, you know, if he can play like he played two years ago, um, hopefully we will have the best attack in, in the conference. What does Matt bring to the table that you guys may have missed out last year? Well, he's just a guy that can really challenge people uh, with the ball kind of off the end line, and we didn't have a lot of that last year. We didn't have a lot of, you know, we didn't generate a lot of offense from our attack dodging. We we scored a lot of goals with our attackmen, um, but Matt's the, one of those guys that can get the ball at X, um, you know, go either way and, and really test the defense and make people slide, and if they don't slide, make them pay. Um, and you know, we definitely need more of that. Um, so, like I said, we need to get him back. Um, he's shown some 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 uh, some some highlights of that stuff in the, in the practices, but you know he's still kind of like finding his way a little bit. Um, so we need him to get back to that form that he was two years ago. That's for sure. You like the pieces you have with this team, at, and then the successful debate depended on how consistent the midfield is. It's one of the most athletic groups you've had since arriving. So, what makes this unit more athletic than you? Then you didn't have see from other groups, and is there anything specific that might benefit the team this year than it did last year and previous years? 
Well, I, you know, I think the first thing is, is um, you know, Jake O'Donnell uh, is is a great leader. Um, you know, he kind of head, headlines that group. Um, he's kind of a glue guy at the midfield, but he's also just a really good captain and a really good leader. Um, you know, he brings some energy and athleticism and, and – uh, Will Manganiello has scored a bunch of goals. Again, we're trying to get him to be a little bit more consistent. Um, you know, there's times when I feel like he can be the best midi in our league, and then there's times when he disappears a little bit, so we need to get him a little bit more consistent. Um, Marshall King's had a, a couple of really solid years for us, and we're looking for him to have a breakout year, and we're going to, you know, do everything we can to get him some more shots and, and set him up to, to score goals because he's very good at that. Um, and then there's a bunch of other guys like flying around, um, you know, some young guys, some older guys. Um, I think I feel like we have a little bit more options there at the at the midfield. Um, but I think those three guys are the guys that are going to anchor, um, you know, any of the success we have at the midfield. Let's stick to the midfield, but with the the faceoff position, that's one of the weak spots you addressed earlier in this interview. Uh, going last year's group, we went 37.9 percent. You. Bring back your leading taker in Jim Coita, who went 38.8%. And you said you'd like to see him win at least 50% of his draws this year. How has this game changed from the end of last year until the spring practices going on right now? Well, look, we threw Jim to the fire a little bit. And, you know, he, he comes from an area that's not a hotbed of lacrosse. You know, he's from the Bronx uh, in New York City. Um, and I think the games that he played in high school were much different than the games that that we played last year. Um, you know, he's a great kid and a hard worker. Um, you know, we need to do some things to make him more successful. we got to be much better on the wings. You know, I felt like um, one of the reasons our our percentage wasn't you know what we needed to be last year was we just didn't pick up ground balls off the wings there was a lot of 50 50 ground balls that we just didn't get um so we need to improve on that obviously and jim's a really hard worker and you know he's he's the kid if you come out to our practice he's always got a huge smile on his face and he's always asking how to get better um he's a really hard worker so we're hoping he he makes a big jump from his freshman year to his sophomore year um but we also brought in a transfer um from St. Joe's, Dan Lanham, who's looked pretty good. He had a good fall, and he's played well in the preseason. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, the one-two punch of those guys and, and some of the other guys, you know, Ian and, and Tony uh, that are on our roster uh, can get us, you know, closer to 50%. We have to win more face-offs, um, you know, to be more successful. We just, you know, we, we need the ball. I think our offense is going to be pretty good if we can get at the ball. Um, you know, when you, when you face off under 40%, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. So we've got to be better there, that's for sure. You're good with transitioning because I was about to talk about Dan Lanham, who was who played two years at St. Joe's, used sparingly. Each Fogo you have is brings something different to the table. But what does Lanham bring that some of the Fogos lack or don't even have in general? Well, he's just again, he's it's a, with the faceoff. Sometimes it's like matchups and different styles. He just brings a different style. Um, again, he's a hard worker. He's been, you know, he's he's worked really hard in the weight room and worked really hard on the field. Um, you know, with those faceoff guys, you need them to be grinders. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna get beat up. They're gonna have guys beating on them. Uh, that you need them to like stick their nose in and get a tough ground ball. Um, and and he's done all those things that we've asked him to do. And and you know, shown that he has the ability to compete. Um, you know, for playing time and and compete for opportunities to help us, you know, get the ball and take reps during games. Going to the defense now, four out of the five defensive starters return, including close defenseman Michael Muir and Gritz freshman last year and Will Stabbard. In a league that includes one of the top teams in defense overall in Towson, another good guy in Isaac Paparo at UMass, how important is it to have a solid trio of close defensemen and a good unit of D-Middies? 
I mean, it's it's super imperative. And again, we're going to lean on the experience that we have coming back there. Um, you know, Michael's played a lot for us, um, and Will had a real good year as a freshman and learned a lot of things and really progressed from the beginning of the year to the end. Um, you know, Jude Whale and, and Matt Kling is coming back at the at the long pole positions, and we might bump those guys down a little bit and have them, have some of those guys play close. Um, and then, you know, another big returning guy for us, Jake Kiernan, um, was a preseason you know, first-team CAA guy two years ago and, and didn't play um, because of an injury. Um, you know, he was a two-time captain for us. Um, he, again, he's kind of rounding back into, into shape and, and kind of knocking some rust off, so we need him to get back to, you know, that kind of ability. Um, but we're going to have to play good defense. Again, We're gonna, whoever starts in the goal for us is going to be inexperienced. Um, you know, we, we can't count on, on guys making the amount of saves that Jimmy Joe made in the last couple of years for us. I mean, he really bailed us out in some games and, and, and you know, averaged, uh, you know, in the mid-teens, I think, saves per game. And um, we just can't count on, on somebody doing that stuff. Um, so we're going to have to play better defense. Um, you know, I do feel like we're we're more athletic um, in the defensive midfield and a little bit more experience there in the short stick de- defensive midfield. Um, so that helps us. Those guys always get tested, and, and those guys are obviously super important players. You know, the player of the year in our conference is a is a short stick D-Midi, and, and he's great, and he made a huge impact for Towson last year. So, um, you know, we need to be good on defense. Again, we have some young guys some, that are athletic and have played well, and they're going to push some of these older guys. Uh, but we need to step up and play much better on the defensive end. And I think by the end of the year last year, we played pretty well defensively, uh, but at the beginning of the year, we just we didn't. Um, and, again, one of our big kind of uh, keys to the, the off season we've been talking about a lot is to start – start stronger and, and to play much better defense early in the year. And that's a big challenge when we start with Virginia and, and Albany the first two games of the year. So uh, we need to step up and, and really play much better on the defensive end. As we go to from defense to goalie, the inexperiences here, John Rolston played some minutes last year and he's battling for a spot with a few other guys. Is there any comp- Is there competition? What's the, what's the goalie out? outlook pretty much with roles yeah there's a there's a lot and i think the the good news for us is all those guys have played pretty well casey dubois and cray teitelbaum are probably the other two guys that are realistically in the mix um and it's it's tough sometimes to get uh you know a real look at three different guys um but we're trying to do that um you know all three of those guys again are a little bit different different body shapes different uh different ways they play um but they've all played pretty well um you know kind of throughout this whole year in the fall they look pretty good and uh they've all had good preseason so um it's going to be an interesting decision for us to make and uh, honestly i don't think any any of them have separated their themselves from each other yet um but all but for us it's been in a good way they've all been pretty good um so again we just need to figure out who's going to be the most successful who's going to give us the best chance to win who's going to help run the defense the best um, and then figure out who that is and, and go from there. It might be more than one. might be two guys, um, so we'll see how that goes. You have 14 freshmen this year and then four retro freshmen, and you've had some pretty good luck with having freshmen on the field the past two years. So who do you think we should keep an eye out in terms of the young guys? <clears throat> well, we're again, that's one we're trying to figure out right now. Um, you know, offensively, uh, I think the guy that's really st- – stood out for us is Ryan Gennard. Um, he's a lefty and he's, you know, real slick and shoots the ball well and has really good skills. Um, he's an attackman, but we've played him a decent amount of midfield. Um, 
So he's he's the guy that I think is you'll definitely see on the field for us and um, has, has played pretty well. He needs to continue to do those things, but he's the guy that's like the one on the offensive end. And then, honestly, defensively, there's three or four guys, um, Brennan Greenwald and Jack Farrell at the long stack mini position, um, and then Pat Udovich and Sean Quinn. Um, all those guys are really pushing for playing time. Um, and then the, the other one is Peter Rahill, who's running some short stick defense midfield for us right now. So there's a lot of different guys uh, in the mix right there. Let's focus from the team right now to overall in the Philadelphia area. So when recruiting, how much do you value looking right in your backyard? Um, you know, look, there's a lot of kids that are very familiar with Drexel around here, and there's obviously great lacrosse in this area, and we get a chance to see those guys play a lot. So, um, you know, we, we want to be successful in the Philly area. We've been we've, – we always have guys on our roster. We always have a good chunk of guys from, from the area on our roster, and, and that's – you know, this year is no different. So, we you know, we want to be good. Uh, I say it all the time. It, you know, to me it doesn't really matter where you're from, but obviously there's a lot of good lacrosse players here, and it's easier for us to see, and it's easier for kids to get down here, and I don't have to worry about them, you know, being fans of cheesesteaks and Eagles fans. So, um, you know, it's a – uh, it's a it's a great area for lacrosse. So you know we're always going to recruit and try to pull the best kids we can get out of this area. Do you see anything in Philly kids that you like that don't you don't see from kids coming from Baltimore or Long Long Island or anywhere else across the country? No, and I look. I think um, I said all the time if you go watch these you know summer tournaments or. You know, you go watch high school games. You know, the good news for all of us college across coaches, you know, you can go watch games in Baltimore and Philly and Long Island and Syracuse and California and Texas and Ohio and Florida, and they don't look that much different. Um, you know, there's a lot of good lacrosse players in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, we've had some success on the West Coast. Um, we've obviously had some success in Canada. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of good lacrosse players all over the country now, um, and you just got to go find the best ones, the ones that want to kind of roll up their sleeves and help your program win games. In your mind, what's the state of lacrosse in the Philadelphia area overall? Uh, like I said, I mean, you know, high school-wise, it's as good as any area in the country. I mean, there's always teams that, um, you know, in this area that compete to be, the, the you know in the top five in the country at, at the high school level um if you look at the college level um you know there's obviously been a lot of success for the teams in this area i think we're all striving to be better um but you know philly's a great lacrosse town the wings are obviously coming back so that's a cool thing um but yeah it's a, it's a great lacrosse town well sal and temple are the only two men's division one programs that don't have a lacrosse team in the philadelphia area will complete the city six like they do in basketball in your mind, right. why would adding a men's lacrosse team for both of those schools be a good idea? Um, yeah, I, I don't know that. I like I said, right now I'm focused on winning our teams. I know there's all kinds of, you know, issues with Title IX and all that stuff. Um, but again, if you look around, um, the sport's really growing. Um, you know, it would be great if other teams in this area could could add it, um, especially programs like that. Um, but if they don't, then you know, I got to worry about getting good players here and beating the teams on our schedule and, and winning the CAA. So um, I think those teams can be successful. Um, but, again, you know, we, we just got to worry about what we got to worry about here. And, I, you know, this hasn't really been announced, but I know, um, you know, we've the local coaches have all talked about it. Um, you know, us, Villanova, Penn, and St. Joe's have, have talked about uh, kind of playing a, a, a weekend, you know, where all the teams get together and play. Um, and I think we're actually going to try to do that. I don't think we've kind of – 
ironed out, totally ironed out the details, but I think probably next year that'll actually happen. So um, that would be cool for the, the area, the, obviously for college across in the area. That's great news. I mean, I was just talking to Coach Carrada Villanova. He mentioned that a little bit, and that was that was going to be my last question. Something like the Midwest Lacrosse Classic, how they have Bellarmine and you know, Detroit Mercy, Marquette, and Ohio State. Do you think that would an event like that would help grow the uh, the lacrosse community in the area? Yeah, well, I mean, we hope, obviously, the teams are good and we would attract good crowds and, you know, get some young kids here and, and see the, the success of the teams in the area and and maybe, you know, have it grow. And, you know, we're, we're going to we're planning on doing it at the college campuses, but maybe it grows and we could do it at one of the stadiums or something. Somebody picks it up and make it an event. Um, but I think it would be great for for the, you know, the competition in the area. It would be great for recruiting for the, the four teams. Um, so we're hoping that we can kind of pull it off and, and do it. So it sounds like it's going to happen and it's going to be a good thing. It's always a good sign. Uh, and then finally, we have this, we're going to do a short little thing. It's called a 440. You're not going to be running it. It's just going to be, okay, you're answering <laughs> four questions in 40 seconds, just about the city and uh, a few other things. Ready to go? Okay. All right, let's do it. One, your favorite part about Drexel. Uh, my favorite part about Drexel is probably just the vibrance of being in the city and all the stuff that goes around here on campus. To, you know, it's a great campus. There's a lot of really cool things going on around here. Your favorite cheesesteak spot and your cheesesteak preference? Wow, my cheesesteak preference. Um, I'm, I'm a mushroom cheesesteak guy, um, and I actually like mayonnaise on my cheesesteak, which I know is not a good thing. Um that's a Baltimore thing, I think. So that's that's where I get that from. Um, I, I I don't know if I have a favorite. They're they're all pretty good. Yeah, but the mushrooms and mayonnaise. Eesh. Uh, fav- I know, I know, I know. It's not traditional Philly. <laughs> favorite spot down the shore. Uh, my wife's a South Jersey girl, and we have a place in Ocean City, New Jersey. Um, so that's that's become my favorite. That's a that's a, always a good spot, and then. One lesson you've learned while playing that you pass on to your current players. One lesson. Wow. I, I try to get them a lot, to be honest with you. But um, I think, you know, we talk about it all the time, just, um, you know, doing whatever you can to, to work hard to be the best player you can to help your team be the best that it can be. Um, you know, that, that's we kind of preach that stuff around here all the time. Finally, who do you have in the Super Bowl, Birds or Pats? Um, I, I guess I got to go with the birds. Um, I'm a, probably in anything but Tom Brady having another ring guy. So, uh, I got to go with the birds. That makes up for your cheese stick choice. Coach, we appreciate the time and, uh, best of luck on the 2018 season. You got it. Thanks for having me. Mushrooms and mayonnaise. Just, just sit on that thought for a moment. Mushrooms and mayonnaise. I hate. The choice, but, you know, I got to respect his choice. People like their cheesesteaks some weird ways. Some people put ketchup on their cheesesteaks. I don't get that, but mayonnaise is a little different. Mushrooms is okay. I've, I've seen maybe a few people do that, but mayonnaise is questionable. But if he enjoys it, he enjoys it. But either way, thank Coach Volker for joining us on this special podcast. Next up is his chestnut street neighbor, Mike Murphy who was Volker's successor at Penn. This is his ninth year as head coach. He's appeared twice in the NCAA tournament as head coach. He won the Ivy League back in 2014. He was also an assistant at Penn in 2001 and 2002. 
and in between his two Penn stints, he spent seven years as head coach at Haverford College, where he went 64-41. and 41. He was also a former assistant at Virginia for four years in the mid-90s. Before that, he spent one year at Brown. A former Duke Blue Devil, three-year starter at LSM and close defense. A captain on their 1991 team. Pleased to have Coach Mike Murphy on, and he actually dives into more of this Philly Four weekend in college lacrosse as well. That might start up next year. All right, now we're pleased to have Penn coach Mike Murphy in his ninth year coaching the Quakers along. 7-6 and six last year, finished 3-3 three and three in the Ivy League. His Quakers are 32nd in the Inside Lacrosse Faceoff Yearbook and 6th in IL's Ivy League preseason poll. And coach, it's a new season, but there's still any reminders from last year's heartbreaking loss to Yale around the locker room and Franklin Field. Uh, not really. You know, uh, I'm sure guys remember, uh, at least the returning players, remember how uh, how last year ended. But this is really a, a new chapter and a, and a new year, and we're looking forward to uh, practice today and, and then our Marquette scrimmage on, uh, on February 10th. 212 out of 220 total points returned to this year's team, and that says a lot about how talented this group of players are. And you've said it's one of the best group of offensive players that you've ever had since taking over as head coach of Penn. Many of them are taking a big step forward as juniors and as leaders. Simon Mathias is one of them. Do you think the experience they've gotten right away in game situations, as well as with the case of Mathias and a few others, the U19 tournament a couple years back, have played a role in their leadership development? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they just, you know, they've improved greatly. Um... I think another advantage we have is, you know, uh, Pat Myers, our offensive coordinator, is excellent, and he's been here for four years. It's the first time we've had uh, had a group of players have the same, you know, offensive, uh, you know, system in place and and teaching principles. So I think that's um, an asset as well, and and uh, something we hope to to take advantage of. They just they know how we want to play and what we're trying to do, and and. Uh, you know, it's not starting from, from the ground up except for the freshmen. So. Simon with size has started every game since he came in as a freshman. He's a quarterback of the offense, 28 goals and 20 assists last year. When he first stepped on campus, what did you think of him as a player and how has he changed overall? Uh, we were very impressed um, from the very beginning. He actually came to our camp. Um, you know, the summer before he enrolled and the summer before that, um, he had a very good high school career at, at Ridgefield. Um, and, you know, he has really been impressive um, in a lot of ways, but I think the most impressive thing about him has been his consistency. Um, really hasn't had a bad game, you know, even, you know, as a freshman starter and then sophomore year, you know, talk about sophomore slumps, he never had an off day. Um, he's never had to see in class. Um, he's been very, very, consistent um everything we've asked him to do and and now this year we'll ask him to quarterback our offense a little bit more going up to the midfield alex rosner started his career at attack and now he's being moved up to the midfield what do you see in his game that makes you believe he can contribute up top on offense yeah he's he's just a very good offensive player you know uh, and the nice thing with him being a midi is that he'll more often than not get a short stick uh, he also plays at a high pace um, so he, he kind of increases the speed with um, with which we're playing offense, you know, off the ball and with the ball. Um, and I feel like he adds a little bit of energy to, to what we're doing. 
You have a ton of midfielders up there as well. Riley Hupfelt, J.J. McBride, Tyler Dunn, Joe Licciardi, uh, Rosner as well. And then you also have Kavit Postal from a sophomore from Haverford School who appeared in a few games last year. What do you see with this step of midfield that you really like that stands out the most? Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, for the first time, I feel like we have depth. Um, you know, we've got some guys on the defensive end, and we've got six or eight guys on the offensive end that we just have a lot of confidence in, um, you know, both with the you know the six returning guys that you mentioned, and, and a couple of freshmen we think could be uh, could be pretty impactful as well. You know, uh, in the midfield and on attack. So um, I really like where we are uh, as an offense for all all those reasons. Going to defense, you have one of the top LSMs in the nation in Connor Keaton. I think he's one of the top LSMs in the nation. He's definitely one of them in the Ivy League. In your mind, what makes the Haverford School senior special? Um, he is very unique. You know, I've been coaching for 28 years now, I guess, uh, 27 years, and he might be the best long stick midi I've ever worked with. I mean, he is. I think he's clearly the best one in our league um right now and i think he's you know and i am somewhat biased, but i think he's the best one in the country when you think about covering the ball and what he does with the ball you know he's by far the best stick handling defensive player i've ever seen best you know best stick handling guy with a long stick that i've ever seen play lacrosse so um when he gets the ball in the offensive end he's a real weapon i mean he's a legitimate threat for 15 yards he can score with both hands um he's got a fantastic He's great off the ground. He's a, a weapon uh, on the faceoff wing, and and in four years we really haven't had to slide to him, so he can take out the other team's best midi. Noah Lehman returns after missing all of last season with a knee injury. What are your expectations for him as a possible starting defenseman? Uh, yeah, he's been great. You know, a big, strong, athletic kid, um, really hard worker, and, and he's somebody we feel like can can be a fantastic cover guy. Uh, he joins Mike Mulcreen and a few others, and it's not a large group as we talked about that with the midfield. There's not a ton there with the with the defense. What are you looking forward? Who who are you looking forward to step up pretty much as a defenseman? In that group? I mean, we've had th- throughout the fall, um, we've had a number of guys play at a at a pretty high level. Uh, there's a guy named Kyle Thornton who started a number of games last year who's very skilled and got a high IQ, um, very good uh, stick as well. Um, and then we have a transfer from Denver named Tim Sanford, who uh, who has been very strong also. So between Thornton, um, I don't even know if you mentioned Mark Ivanchik, uh, uh who's very athletic, um, big, strong kid, you know, all-time sack leader in the state of Connecticut, uh, very good defensive end in football, um, and, a, and a physical presence for us on defense uh, in terms of his to cover and slide and take the body and things like that. So I feel like we have enough depth on defense. For us, the issue is going to be more experience. Go to the face-off X now with Chris Santangelo. He's coming back a senior, 52.8 percentage win percentage last year. Do you see any competition behind him? I know there's a good freshman in Anthony Giuliani, a local kid, that may be possibly getting some reps this year. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, Anthony has been very good. He's steadily progressed over the course of the school year and uh, kind of adjusted to to the pace and intensity of of calls across. And uh, he's given Chris a run for his money. Uh, but Chris is somebody that has a lot of experience and that we have a lot of confidence in in terms of his ability to 
you know, compete at the face-off facts and, and then also generate some offense. He's scored a number of goals for us over the years. And, and uh, when he's on, he's he's very, very good, and, and he can be a, a weapon um, for us at the offensive end. And then finally over to goalie after a solid freshman campaign, Reed Junkin had a small dip in save percentage and a small uptick in goals against average. But he did have a really good, solid performance against Yale in the semifinals after shaky games last year against Princeton and Yale in the regular season. What's the key for him in order to be successful for the entire season like he did in his freshman year? Yeah, it really is just consistency. And, and part of that is his, you know, mental approach. Um, and part of that's us playing defense. You know, that Yale game um, was a tough one for him, but we also gave up two or three crease goals early on and, and stuff that led to a bit of a run for Yale when they started out and, and uh, jumped on us in, in the regular season game. So um, for us, it's really a matter of him, you know, having the right mental approach to each game um, and being consistent and making, you know, we don't expect him to make every save, but if he can just be a little more consistent than he was, especially in those games. And he had other games where he was consistent and, and a couple of games when he was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in him. He works very, very hard uh, getting himself ready to go. Physically, it's never an issue for him. It's it's just the kind of the mental side of it, like I said, and, the, and some of the preparation and maintaining his confidence and his focus when things aren't necessarily going well, which is, I think, true of a lot of goalies, but I think that was the issue he had last year. And, and if we can be consistent facing off, in the goal, I think we could be uh, we could be pretty successful this year. He also have a good backup in uh, sophomore Alex DeMarco from Haverford School. Uh, having a good backup like him, I know he struggled a little bit last year, but he had a good performance against Yale. How important is it to have a, a good backup in the case that there's some slip-ups with Junkin? Oh, it's huge. And then we're still actually competing, you know. Uh, I know uh, we, I'm not 100% sure that that Reed will be our starter. And we have a couple of pretty good freshmen. Alex has been very, very good all, all school year, fall and, and into this preseason. And we actually have another local guy named Alex Anderson who came to Penn to play football. And he played for two years. He's a junior. Um, we actually recruited him a little bit when we recruited Reed Junkin. Um, and now he's decided to come out for lacrosse because he had to discontinue his football career because of, uh, because of hip surgery. So we actually have three pretty good options uh, right now. And, and, Anderson, Junkin, and DeMarco are all competing for the, the starting job. Going to your really famous non-conference schedule, and it's always tough, and this year's no different. Defending national champions, Maryland, you have Duke, you have Penn State, you start out the season with Michigan, you also have Navy again, to name a few. What are some of the benefits as a team from playing these top schools other than being able to talk to recruits and tell them, you know, we play the national champions this year, we play Duke, we play Penn State. I mean, from a practical standpoint, uh, really, it's about RPI and strength of schedule. You know, you you know, you win enough of those games and you play them, then you win, you know, one or two, and you get above 500. Um, you got you're at least in the conversation for an at-large bid. Now, those things are are getting harder and harder to come by, but it's really hard to get an at-large bid without playing teams like that. And I think more importantly, we feel like we can compete at that level. Um, and, our, and those games are more fun to play in and coach in and prepare for. And, and it's just the level of lacrosse that, that we think we can can play and where we want our program to be. Finally, for your team this year, ILPL, that's an acronym for I Love Penn Lacrosse, plays a big part for the program. Now, as the head coach of Penn for nine years, how big is that acronym for current players and current coaches and even alumni? Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it's huge because it's the thing we all have in common. You know, uh, whether it's the guys from the seventies that played for Ace Adams, the guys in the eighties that they played for coach Seaman and the guys today, you know, they go through this process, you know, coming down to Franklin field and running and lifting and working hard and going through all that and, and sharing that, that process and the winning and, and all the other stuff. Um, and so that's what ILPL is really that shared uh, camaraderie and experience, but also I think, um, uh, you know, f- f- the guys from the team currently, it's part of our why, you know, uh, loving Pentacross and loving competing and winning really drives everything we do. And, and we want our guys to have great experience and we want to, you know, compete at the very highest, very highest level. And I think ILPL drives, drives those things. Let's expand our outreach from this, just the team overall to the entire Philadelphia area. Now, when you recruit, how much do you value looking right in your backyard? Uh, highly, very, very highly. We, uh, it's number one priority in the recruiting that has been since I've gotten here and we've made, um, made a living off of guys from some of the top programs in the area. And, uh, we feel like that's part of the reason we've become successful. And you look at our team right now, you've got Connor Keating and Kevin McGarry and people like that, that are senior leaders for us and, and some of our best players. And, and that will continue to be a, an emphasis for us moving forward. Do you see anything from Philadelphia kids that you don't see from Baltimore kids or Long Island kids or anywhere else across the country? Yeah, not really. You know, uh, I mean, every place, you know, people try to label, you know, certain regions as a certain style of player. But, you know, I, I don't really fully subscribe to that. You know, you've got, you know, really tough kids from Baltimore and you've got, you know, really skilled kids from Long Island and everything else. So I don't think those things um, really apply as much anymore as they did maybe 20 years ago. So um, it's just uh, for us, you know, we, we try to recruit from all those areas and, uh um, you know, uh, Philadelphia being the most important, but we, you know, we've got a ton of kids from Maryland. We've got a ton of kids from, from Long Island, you know, uh, New England, you know, upstate New York. We recruit from, from kind of everywhere. So, but Philly is, you know, uh, a very strong emphasis for us and our prior, top priority in the recruiting. So with a great high school hotbed and great four college across teams, and even the wings coming back in the NLL next year, what overall in your mind is the state of college, uh, state of lacrosse in general in the area oh it's fantastic you know uh, i mean it's a strong area you know in terms of talent and, and also in terms of culture and support for lacrosse you know it's as strong as any place in the country so it's exciting to be here you know i've got four kids that play lacrosse in the area my wife played college lacrosse and used to coach at one of the high schools and so i'm uh you know i couldn't be more excited about um lacrosse in the philadelphia area it's great on the girls side and great on the guys side and you know had the final four here and obviously like you said the wings and a lot of division one lacrosse and we're actually you know interesting um you bring it up starting in 2019 we're going to start um, this little Liberty Bell thing we're calling it for now. Uh, it's going to be Drexel, St. Joe's, Villanova, and Penn uh, playing in a, in a four-way, two-day event, um, you know, the second weekend of March starting in 2019. So that'll hopefully uh, kind of accentuate some of what you're talking about and get people excited about Philadelphia lacrosse in the spring. Uh, and I did. I was talking to a few of the other coaches, and they did mention that event, and it sounds like a really great event. I know I, talk, I just talked to Coach Ray, and he said he was thinking, I think, it was being discussed that the Friday would be a, held at the suburbs and then Sunday would be in the city. So having connecting the suburbs and the city together for a full weekend of college across, what in your mind, how, what would that mean for that, for the, uh, the sport in this area? 
Um, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's about connecting suburbs and and the city. It's just about celebrating across in the area and and trying to get people excited about our four programs that are kind of preeminent programs and individual programs. Uh, you know, and and at some point, hopefully, we you know connect this to the local community, whether it's high schools or Headstrong Foundation or something like that. Uh, there's just a lot of energy here in Philadelphia for lacrosse, and and at the level, it's kind of the the peak of that. And we'd like to take a leadership role and and create an event like this. We've been trying to get it off the ground for three or four years, and it's just logistically been challenging. But we finally figured it out and excited to launch it uh, launch it next spring. Now there's two other. Uh, schools in this city, LaSalle and Temple, that don't have a divisional men's across the team. Now, there's a lot of logistics to go through Title IX and money and one on scholarships, but why would, in your mind, for those two schools, why would adding, adding a men's across team be a good idea? Oh, it'd be a no-brainer. You know, uh, there are a lot of reasons. It's just all the, the value that there is in, in the experience of collegiate athletics, intercollegiate athletics. But I also think lacrosse in particular has a has a demographic that they would want to attract to their schools in terms of the you know educational level and, and socioeconomic level and, and a lot of other things that could really uh, I think enhance what Temple and LaSalle are, are doing uh, institutionally. So I'd love to see them give it a go. But like you said, uh, you know, the Title IX thing is a challenge. At least LaSalle doesn't have football, but Temple with football would probably be a, would probably be a hurdle. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're going to end off with a lighter note. Four questions in 40 seconds. Probably not 40 seconds, but we call it the 440s. It's a lot easier than if you had ever had to run the 440s whenever you were playing. <laughs> um, Good. So we'll start it right now. Your favorite part about Penn? Uh, the people. Favorite cheesesteak spot in the city and your cheesesteak preference? Uh, probably go with Abner's here uh, here in the area. Um and I like them with everything on it. Okay. Favorite spot down the shore? Uh, uh, probably Stone Harbor, you know, uh, just in general. We, we actually honestly go down to Delaware more often than not um, just to try to get away. But uh, if I was going to pick a spot, I'd probably go to Stone Harbor. Second guy that said Stone Harbor joining uh, Coach Carrada, so that's an interesting popular place. And uh, then uh, – nice. One lesson you've learned while playing that you pass on to your current players? Oh, man, there are millions of them, but uh, probably my favorite is learning from your mistakes. And then finally, as a bonus, Super Bowl pick, you got to go to with the Birds right over the Patriots. Got to. Sure. Good, good. (laughs) <laughs> you, you were a little bit hesitant on that. I'm not sure if you, you want to tell us that you're a Patriots fan somehow or. Uh... Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually, uh, rooting. I'm not an Eagles fan uh, per se, but a friend of mine's on staff there, and I'd love to see him win a Super Bowl. So. Good, 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 good. Always good to he- root for the uh, the hometown birds. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you joining us, and best of luck for the 2018 season. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks very much. So the Liberty Bell, I guess classic we're going to call it right now, but the name's still in the works. But either way, a great college lacrosse event in the city of Philadelphia, as Coach Mike Murphy has said, spearheading pretty much this entire initiative. Sounds like it'll be four games in two days. We'll have more details when we talk to Coach Taylor Ray in part two of the podcast. But either way, 
it's been something that I've wanted to see in the Philadelphia area for the past few years. Four teams are there. They're all close by. Most of them play each other anyway, so why not just have all of them at one neutral site for two days, play two games each, and give back to the entire lacrosse community in Philadelphia? I think it'll be something very enjoyable in the next few years if this continues. And I know the Pioneer Classic out in Denver has discontinued this year at the very least. Uh, the Midwest Lacrosse Classic is really good with Ohio State, a national runner-up last year. Marquette, two-time Big East champion. And then Bellarmine, a good SoCon school in Kentucky, a an unknown lacrosse area in the South. And then also you have Detroit Mercy, who is representing Michigan. So good lacrosse coverage there, but you also have a very good popular hotbed in this entire city with four great lacrosse teams. And I really appreciate the work that coaches Corrado, Volker, Ray, and especially Mike Murphy have done to promote the sport in our area. That'll be it for part one of our Philly special. Part two will be dropping very shortly with coaches Taylor Ray at St. Joe's and coach Mike Corrado over at Villanova, the Maniunk and Mainline edition, you could call it. Uh, We'll be back. Follow us on SoundCloud. At Across College Lacrosse, you can subscribe on iTunes, leave a good review. You can do that as well on Stitcher and TuneIn. Still working on Google Play. Hopefully, we can get that situated sometime soon. But as well as listen to our other regular episodes when we don't have specials, which right now the specials are going to be greater than the actual episodes by the time both parts get published. Uh, We will be back in a little bit. And stay hydrated out there. Bye, Felicia.